Hello, and welcome to Talk Social to Me, the very, very first episode. I'm so excited. This is a podcast where we dive deep, deep, deep into the latest social media gossip, memes, news, tips, tricks for your Instagram or your social media. I am your host, Mackenzie Taylor, and today I am joined by Christina McAvoy of Max Explore. If you've never followed her on Instagram before, her and her family have been traveling for years. And honestly, they kind of inspire me to quit my job, you know, and just travel the world for a bit. Right now, her and her family are actually back in the United States, and she is actually using her expertise from her life on the road and building up her online community and giving that expertise to other travel content creators, helping them build their online community, how to shift in this ever-changing world of social media. Today, we're actually going to be talking about how she gets started, where she sees the industry going, how to pivot in times of change, and kind of how she uses Flick to make the most out of her account. I really, really, really hope you enjoy this first episode. So let's head on in. So I guess tell us about your account and like how you kind of got started with everything and just how you kind of got into the world of being a content creator. Oh boy. I have been a travel content creator for about five years, full time for about three years. My expertise is adventure travel, specifically for families. So we have two boys and they're teenagers now, which is crazy. But when we started, they were much younger. So we do a lot of just adventurous type of trips all over, you know, the U.S. and the world. We actually just returned from traveling full time. We spent two and a half years in Central and South America, and we just got back to the States two months ago. So we're just still kind of, you know, figuring this out and getting back into a totally different norm as the boys returned to school. And and we're just trying to, you know, still kind of keep the business going, of course, and still have the flexibility to work remotely, but just from a home base in the States because our boys wanted to go back to school. So yeah, for sure. So yeah. it was like kind of the last year for you then with kind of everything being shut down a bit. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely difficult in, in a lot of different ways. So we were actually in Southern Chile and Patagonia when COVID all kind of happened and started. And that was pretty crazy. Um, flights were completely grounded and borders shut down for like mm-hmm. two months. So even if we wanted to leave, we couldn't have left for like two months. Um, and we had all these plans. We were planning on being in Chile only for two months and then going to Argentina. Anyway, so we just kind of made the most of it. We just decided, you know what, let's stay put. Let's just, let's see if things kind of calm down and, and uh, we'll just stay in Chile longer. We ended up staying in Chile for almost half a year. And then we went to Ecuador as soon as we heard Ecuador was open and stayed there for for the rest of the year. So we were there for like five months. So, so yeah, it, it was, you know, it definitely kind of changed our travel plans, but right. we just decided, you know what, we were already, already slowing, slow traveling anyway. So we're just going to slow it down even more and spend, you know, more than three months in, in one country. And, and it was still an amazing experience. So, you know, had its challenges, of course. And, and it was always like a lot of uncertainty trying to plan anything, but, for sure. but we made it work and it was, really incredible experience, even despite the restrictions and having to wear masks everywhere in public and, you know, all the COVID tests that we had to take, you know, we, we were totally safe. We never got COVID. And like I said, we came back just two months ago. So it was, it was an awesome experience. So did your content creation kind of change while you were there then? 
like from um, doing previously or was it still? No, I wouldn't say so. No, because, you know, we were already, you know, full time. We've been working with different brands and destinations. So we work with like tourism boards. We work with travel brands, travel companies. So hotels, tourism companies, you know, guide, guides, stuff like that. We also work with product brands too, specifically outdoor brands. We didn't work with as many product brands while we were traveling in South America because it was really difficult to get product down there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we worked with a lot of local companies within the countries that we were in. And it was, it was awesome. I think our partnerships kind of changed, you know, during COVID because, you know, obviously tourism was affected massively everywhere across the world. And especially I think those developing countries really got hit hard and, and a lot of those companies couldn't survive, you know, if they were small companies and not well-established in the tourism industry. And so instead of like, normally we would work with a lot of different during COVID, because I guess we were really sensitive to the fact that these companies, these people, yes, they need marketing, they need, they need uh, content, but they also really need money you know? And so we just kind of decided, you know, we're, we'll pick and choose kind of a few partners here and there that we would like to strategically work with if they're like a more established, you know, company and they can afford it. So that was really the only thing that really changed for us other than our travel plans. But um, other than that, our content wise, we, we were, you know, creating content all the time. I also teach a online program and I've been doing this for about two and a half years now, which is crazy. I started my program right after we, we actually left the States and I teach an online program where I basically teach travel content creators, kind of how to monetize and build their online presence on Instagram specifically right. and how to work and pitch with tourism boards, travel brands, how to partner with them, how to create long-term relationships with brands. So kind of how to monetize that piece of your travel brand. So I have a lot of travel bloggers in my community that are like, I, I got the travel blog kind of good, but I'm struggling with social media, right. specifically yeah, yeah, yeah. Instagram. And Instagram is a huge piece of a content creator's social media platform. If anything, it's the number one platform for any kind of content creator, specifically in travel. I think YouTube can be big too, and even Snap, not Snapchat, TikTok. But in terms of brand partnerships, you're going to find a lot more work through partnering with brands via Instagram. So brands are just, they know the power of Instagram. And so they know that if they can find the right partners, you know, to work with the right influencers, I hate the word influencer, <laughs> but content creator through Instagram, then they can really leverage that in a, in a positive way and see a positive ROI. So, so that's kind of why I teach the Instagram piece of it. I, I do have YouTubers in my group and whatnot, but I specifically focus on the Instagram piece of it because it is a very important part of a travel brand. Yeah. So I do that as well. And actually what's funny is that I was really worried that like when COVID happened, that would really affect my business, that side yeah. of my business, yeah. but my business doubled last year. I was talking to somebody else about that recently. And they were saying that just social media completely took off last year because so many yeah. people are realizing that to connect with people, they need to have a presence online. Yep. And there was a couple advantages. I mean, there were some disadvantages too, because a lot of travel content creators were freaking out about, I'm not traveling so much. So what am I supposed to post, you know? And, and, and so I kind of pivoted like how I was teaching, like, look, you don't have to always be posting current content. 
but you can also leverage like where you currently are, you know, because everybody in the world is in the same boat as you. So that means wherever you live, whether it's Canada or in the States or Europe or wherever, like there are people in your area that are like looking to get away, even if it's close by for the weekend. And so like leverage, like you know, trying to help your audience find more local or regional or domestic type of adventure. So, so that's kind of how I helped kind of pivot my group when they were struggling with that. But what I found is that more and more people were online during the pandemic. And so because people weren't traveling as much, they were able to focus on actually building their presence a little bit more on Instagram. And then Reels happened a year ago and that just <laughs> leveled everybody up. Well, I shouldn't say it leveled everybody up, but it gave people another way to produce content that could reach different people in their ideal audience. Yes, there was a lot of like negative things that happened kind of for travel content creators. I mean, everybody's blogs, just the, you know, the views just tanked during COVID, yeah. Yeah. you know? So a lot of people lost a lot of income opportunities, but on the other hand, it would, you know, if you were able to pivot and just say, Hey, you know, I got to do what I can do right now. Then a lot of, a lot of people were able to kind of pivot their brand and have success. And that's exactly what I did. And so I just focused on showing up and serving my audience. And like I said, I actually think I more than doubled my business last year. So um, it's possible. It's definitely yeah. <laughs> possible. <laughs> so I think the reason why I love Instagram so much is one, it, it definitely builds my ideal audience. But number two, it's powerful and being able to connect to the right brands and destinations if you are a travel content creator and that's what you want to do. But then the third reason it's so powerful to me is it's such a powerful platform to be able to build that strong sense of community and build that like and that know and like and trust factor with your audience so that if you want to, you know, have products, you know, whether it's a physical product or digital product or affiliate marketing, like that is the best platform. I feel like to, to really build that strong community of people that are going to trust you and are going to buy from you. So for me, like I wouldn't be where I am today. I mean, with, with our business, without Instagram, hands down, like Instagram has helped our blog. It has helped us leverage brand partnerships. It has helped us build our digital products and sell our digital products. So for me, Instagram is like such a crucial piece in my business. Yeah. I mean, there's so many people that they're realizing just like that power of connectivity, all of these people together that you would have never met previously. Totally. And I don't feel like, I, I just don't know if there's going to be another social media platform. I mean, I, I could be wrong, but I really can't predict that any other social media platform that comes about in the future is going to be able to replicate that sense of community as good as Instagram. You know, YouTube has its own positives, but it's missing the community sense, yeah. you know, same with TikTok, same with Snapchat, Facebook too. I mean, Facebook used to be more community-based, but yeah. I feel like Facebook has completely lost its luster. And really the value for me for Facebook now is just the Facebook groups. And obviously ads, if you're a business and you're going to do ads and stuff like that, paid ads. But like, if you're looking to build a community of people that just really trust you, I just don't see any platform that's going to take over Instagram in that sense. In that yeah. sense. Um, so going back to the brand yeah. aspect. Um, so when you're sure. working with people, how do you help them or how do you kind of 
tell them like how to have a conversation with a brand or how to approach a brand when they're ready for it? Yeah. So I teach people kind of how to find the right contacts. First of all, how to identify like who is going to be a good fit for you, because obviously it has to be a, a, a perfect fit for you and your audience and the brand, obviously. So kind of like a three-part partnership there. And then I teach people kind of how to find the right contacts through those brands, which can be challenging depending on the brand. Of course, if it's a really, really big brand, good luck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because they usually outsource that to a PR agency. Right. And then, yeah, you might be able to figure out who the PR agency is, but then trying to find the right person that handles the PR or the team that handles that PR for that brand. It, it, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, sometimes just networking and kind of just like finding a way in through the back door is probably the best in that scenario. So I teach people kind of how to focus on like maybe small to mid-sized companies, especially as you're getting established and building that community and building your content creation skills. And then of course, like after establishing the contact, how to pitch effectively. And then once you've established that there's an interest with the partner or the brand, then of course, how to negotiate in that contract, what deliverables they want, how to negotiate rates, what, how, how to set your rates, of course, because yeah. <laughs> um, that's like a whole, like whole big thing there is, is, and it's kind of a, it's kind of the wild, wild West, you know, with content creators because there's so many variables. So I kind of teach how to kind of navigate that in the travel space. Yeah. I mean, and then of course, building those long-term relationships too, because the best kind of partnerships are where everybody is winning, you know, your audience, you and the partner is when you build the long-term relationships. Um, So I kind of teach people how to do that too. And and then of course the content creation piece as well. So there's a lot of different like piece (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Puzzle. yeah but it's fun and and I love it I I actually enjoy coaching and teaching people more than I do actually creating content for brands <laughs> <laughs> totally get that um it's just like- so fun and rewarding to see people follow their dreams and and get to do what I've been able to do you know and so that to me that's like the ultimate reward is like to be able to show people how it's possible for them because I mean we started out with nothing just like everybody else and you know, got our first big partnership with only 7,000 followers, you know, and it was like with a a huge internationally known brand. And that was like the first, you know, experience that really opened my eyes to, oh, maybe it's not necessarily about numbers. There's more pieces to the puzzle than just having a hundreds of thousands of followers behind your name. It's more about the content and your authenticity and how you connect with your audience and, and how you were able to give value and serve your audience. So I think that's kind of when everything changed for me. And and so now I'm like on a mission to like show people that, listen, you don't have to have like this massive audience to be able to do what I do. You know, you could do this full time with a small audience. It's just leveraging your strengths and building upon those, you know? Yeah. I think that's really important, really key, because I feel like a lot of people think that they need hundreds of thousands of followers to work with big brands. And you don't. No. No, I mean, like no. micro influencers are a thing because they, they are they- totally a thing. Yeah. Yes. In fact, I, I, I would say if anything, it's a lot of times it's easier to have a smaller audience mm-hmm. because a lot of brands, especially if they're really in tune, if they're really in tune, I mean, there's still, of course, brands are so focused on numbers and, <laughs> and it's just like, it's so dumb. It's vanity metrics, right? Yep. But the, the brands that are really smart, they realize the power of micro influencers because they know that micro influencers 
influencers usually have a lot more true influence on their audience. They have more genuine connection, more genuine engagement with their audience. They know their audience actually. And so when they do, you know, work with a brand that is perfectly aligned with them and their audience, they get a higher, higher ROI than working with someone that is not super like in touch with their community. Yep. I tell people like, don't be just chasing numbers. Yes, you wanna grow your your influence in your audience, but focus more on the connection and and who you currently have right now because it's, it's gonna serve you so much better in the long run. Absolutely. So do you think that organic reach is still possible? Because I feel like there's a, so many different articles out there that are like, organic reach is dead and nobody can do organic. You're gonna have to buy an ad, but. I'm just curious what you've been seeing. I do. Now I will say, I mean, to be completely honest, it has changed a lot in the last five years since we have been actively pursuing and building our, our platform. It was so much easier to grow your audience five years ago organically versus today. But I will say that the thing that Instagram is doing, which is smart, is they keep updating the platform. They keep adding these new features, which are going to make it easier for you to connect with more people. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, people get so overwhelmed with like, and, and I, I for sure feel guilty about this too, because anytime Instagram launches a new feature, I'm like, oh, <laughs> and it's, it's not even like learning a new thing. I mean, that can be intimidating to a lot yeah, of people. Absolutely. It's more just like, I already spend a lot of time on the app. I don't want another thing to have to create content for. You know, I think so many people can relate to that. And, and I for sure have felt that way. When Reels first launched, I was pissed. Yep. I was like, what? I was like, are we going to be on TikTok? Are we going to, are we trying to be TikTok now? I'm like, I am so mad, <laughs> but I knew just like, and this is, this is, this is good advice for any kind of business. So not just if you're like a personal brand or a content creator, but any business, you have to know that in order to be successful, you're going to have to keep learning new tricks. Like you can't just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again and expect the same results. Like if you want to continue growing your business, business, growing your audience, you have to adapt. You have to learn how to learn new strategies and be open. That's the biggest thing is be open to new things. And that for me has been the key to continuing to grow your and, and, and reach new people when you're talking about reach is you have to adapt. You know, if you're kind of like stubborn about all of it, then yeah, organic reach or growing yep. your audience is going to remain really difficult. But Instagram is, is giving us these new ways to connect with people. When they introduced Reels, like I said, I was like really mad about it at first. But then after kind of like watching and seeing what other people were doing, not even just in my niche, but in other niches, like other entrepreneurs, for example, that maybe sell their online coaching programs like I do, I saw the power and how I could create content in a totally different way. Like my reels, for example, are not just focused on travel, you know, now I'm focused on teaching people Instagram and giving them value. And, and I basically I'm speaking to my ideal audience yep, for my reels. And I feel like reels opens up this whole world of possibilities in terms of types of content, because now you don't just have your feed posts, which are kind of like your portfolio. If you're a travel content creator, 
And those are great to attract brands and attract your ideal audience, but people want to see real. They want to see behind the scenes. They want to see you, you being goofy. They want to see, they want to see you being a person. Yes, exactly. And I feel like, I think stories kind of led into that. So when they introduced stories, you know, however long ago that was, I was also mad about that too, by the way. I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. And I do it every day. (laughs) was a game changer because it was like all of a sudden, like you could connect with people one-on-one in your DMs. I mean, stories are a complete game changer, especially if you sell your own products. Like, I mean, DMs are where it's at, where it is at <laughs> if you are trying to sell any kind of product. I mean, obviously there's a way to do it. There's a way yeah. not to do it. But like, I feel like that is where you build the relationships. And I feel like with Reels, when they introduce Reels, it was like, uh, it was just a way to kind of show the different facets of your brand or your business and connect and build that trust with your audience in different ways instead of yeah. just like one dimensional. Does that make sense? And then they started live rooms and I was actually super excited about that one because live rooms is another great way to grow your audience and increase your reach, organic reach by tapping into your community or in your niche, I should say, and finding people that you could do an online live room with and, you know, serve your audience in a different way. So I love doing live rooms because I can get together with three other, you know, travel content creators Mm -hmm. generally. And, and we can talk about different things. We can talk about how to pitch hotels. We can talk about our experience with even just like mindset stuff, like kind of how to overcome like mindset blocks, imposter syndrome, you know, a lot of things that any content creator struggles with, you know, or, or entrepreneur. And so it's such a great way to improve and increase your reach because again, that live is being broadcasted to all of the audiences that are in that live. So I think that Instagram is trying to, to make it easier for businesses to connect to their ideal audience. And I think reels, stories, and live and, and, and going live, whether it's just live one-on-one with your audience or doing a live room with up to three other people, I think all of those ways are, if you're not like leveraging those to increase your reach, then you're missing the boat. <laughs> you're missing the boat. Yeah. yeah. So I do think that there, you have to do it strategically. You have to do it right. You know, because if you're just going live for the heck of it and you're not really thinking about what would my ideal audience want to know, you know, or who could I connect with in my community that maybe would have a different strength than what I have, but maybe they are, you know, knowledge about something that maybe I don't have as much knowledge about, but I know my audience would really love to learn about this. So I think if you're doing it right, you're connecting to the right people, you're posting the right kind of content that serves your audience in these different ways, stories, reels, lives. I think you absolutely still have huge potential and reels, especially with, with reach, because you know, it's just so much easier to have viral content with reels versus any other kind of content. So do you think that content creators should focus solely, not just solely on reels, but making sure that they're doing reels or doing stories, they need to start connecting with their audience more and more, and then they'll have a better organic reach? 
I think so. I think Instagram has actually said this. So they've made statements about this where like the head, you know, the head haunches at Instagram has said, if you want to increase your reach on Instagram, you have to utilize all of the features. Now, does that, does that mean that you have to go live every week and you've got to <laughs> post a reel every day and you got to post in your feed every day? Like, no, I don't think it means that you need to do everything all the time, but I do think that you need to use all of these features as part of your content strategy to increase your reach, but also just increase that connection with your audience. So, so I, I think that for sure, like if I was a newer content creator or wanting to start, or just maybe even struggling, you know, to kind of increase your reach, I would for sure focus a lot on reels. I wouldn't just post reels, but I would definitely focus a lot on reels because I think that that is the best way for you to really reach more people and grow your audience right now. And then of course, you know, I would, I would definitely still post like static type posts, whether it's a carousel or like a single, you know, photo or whatever, or graphic, whatever. I would still do that too, because I think those are important. I think each piece of content or each feature has its own unique, like, strength. I feel like reels has its strength in the sense that you can connect people in, in, in different ways and show different types of, or show different types of content within your expertise. But then also the virality is, is a strength. The, to me, stories is the best way to really build those one-on-one relationships with your audience. And then to me, feed posts is more like, I think of it as more kind of evergreen. I feel like that's where people are going to be able to save your posts, you know, and the same with guides, you know, because guides is a newer feature as well. So I feel like okay. if you're utilizing all of those features, there's different strengths to all of those that are going to help just the overall like holistic approach to increasing that reach. Does that make yeah. sense? No, for sure. So because we are flick, I've noticed when I've gone through your Instagram account that you utilize hashtags really well and you get incredible reach. And I've talked to Loic and he's yeah. like, the reach is like great with your hashtags. So when you're using Flick, kind of what is your strategy when you're trying to choose hashtags? Okay. Yeah. So by the way, I love Flick. Like I've used a lot of different hashtag tools and so far (laughs) I have not found one that is as robust as Flick. The way that I approach it is I first figure out what, what is this content about? You know, so because the most important thing is the relevancy, you know, your hashtags have to be relevant to your content Mm -hmm. and they have to be specific, especially if you are a smaller account, if you're using these big, broad hashtags and you've got less than even a hundred thousand followers, you know, then you're not really, you're kind of wasting your hashtags. So I look for what is this content about? For example, I just posted a reel yesterday. It was just kind of a funny one, but it's about like terrible Instagram advice. (laughs) And so obviously that being my reel, I'm talking about like, this is, you know, these are Instagram kind of tips. I, I always figure out what is, what is the content about? And then I determine what are the hashtags that are going to be the most relevant and specific for this real or post or whatever. So I look at relevancy first and then I look at the size, you know, and I look at how big is that hashtag. If it's in the millions, forget about it. I'm not going to use it. So I I try to use a a variety of hashtags of different sizes. So I might use up to five hashtags that are between you know, maybe one and 2 million, but that's the max. I won't go more than 2 million for my size account. Now, if you're a smaller 
powder count, you would want to lower that range a little bit because that might be even too big still. Right. And then I might use like up to 10 hashtags that are more kind of mid-size. So maybe between 250,000 to a million. And then I'll use the rest of the hashtags between like 50,000 and 250 or 300,000. So a little bit smaller. And then what I love about Flick is the ability to do a couple things. One is I love that I can go to the hashtag search and I can click on a hashtag. Let's say I'm looking at a location hashtag and I'm looking at what's the size of that hashtag. I like to preview the hashtag in mm -hmm. Instagram because you want to look at what are the other posts that are performing in that top nine or 12, you know, with that hashtag? And does my post kind of fit in with those? Because if it doesn't, then likely you're not going to rank with that hashtag. So I always look at like, does the content fit with that hashtag first yep. before I select it? Because even if it's like specific for that content, or my content and niche, if I click on it and I'm like, oh, well, my post doesn't look anything like these top nine or 12, then I don't use it. So I, I do kind of preview the hashtags before I select them to see what are the top, you know, nine or 12 and does my post fit in? I also love that when I find those good hashtags, I can save them and create folders. I, I mean, Loic saw my list of folders because <laughs> I, I screened or I, I, uh, screen, I shared my screen and he was like, you're very organized. I'm like, yes. Yep. And I, and I have like categories. So I have location hashtags. That's just one folder. And then I have a hashtag for niche, very, very niche hashtags yeah. that, that really relate to my niche. So kind of relate to adventure travel, travel with families, outdoor travel, stuff like that. Yeah. And then I have like a, a category that's like nature hashtags, you know? So if the photo has a waterfall in it or mountains in it, like hashtags that are associated with mountains and waterfalls. So I have all these categories and folders and I love that I can save those into those folders and then literally when I, when I have my posts ready, I just look at those folders and I say, okay, what is the content about? Of course. And, and I go through my folders and sometimes I have to go and find new hashtags. And then I just select the ones that fit my content that are in the size parameters that I'm looking for. And then the last thing that I do is I look at how are those hashtags performing? You know, what's the competition score? I really, really pay attention to that because if the competition score is really high, then my, my post might not do as well, yeah. you know, but if the, if the competition score is not so high, if it's more like middle or low and the reach potential is high, then I'm like, Ooh, this could be a really good hashtag, especially if it's, you know, relevant to my yep. content. And I always determine like, okay you know, what's the competition with this hashtag and what's the reach potential. And if they're both super low, then that might not be a good hashtag for me to use, you know, or if they're both super high, that might not be a good hashtag for me to use. So I kind of try to find that balance of really good high potential reach, but not super high potential competition. Right. And, and then of course, I always look at the recent top performing hashtags that are doing well with my content. And of course, I only select the ones that are relevant to my content. So I'm not just going to reuse hashtags that have performed well, unless they're relevant to my content first. So that's really important too, is like, you can't just post something and be like, oh, well, all of these hashtags did really, really well on this post. So I'm just going to like 
copy and paste. Right. Nine and a half times out of 10, that does not work. <laughs> You're not going to get yeah. the same reach with the same post. I've even experimented before. We had a post once that in Chile, it went totally viral, like crazy viral. And it was like a simple iPhone shot out of an airplane window. It was a really amazing shot though, I will say. But I think the reason why it went viral was because it was such a unique view of uh, Patagonia that you don't see posted because it was uh, from an airplane. It was from an airplane instead of like, you know, on the yeah. ground. And that post went crazy viral and the hashtags just went nuts. And so what I did, because I like three months later, I was like, I kind of want to experiment with this. So mm -hmm. I'm going to post a very similar photo because I took a couple different angles in that airplane window of yeah. the same view, right? So the photo was very, very similar, very similar. And I used the same exact hashtags because they obviously performed really well the first right. time and it didn't even do half as well. So you have to know that like, just because one post does really well with your hashtags, doesn't mean that even if you do as pretty similar posts, you know, or the same exact photo, whatever, okay. doesn't mean it's going to be the same exact way. It could be the timing. It could just be who was online at that time and who saw it and then who engaged with it. And then obviously the more engagement you got with that, then the more traction you're going to get with the hashtags and the more reach you're going to get. And so I've learned like, you know, using the same set of hashtags, even if they do well, is not really going to usually like perform well for yeah. you. So always just look at the relevancy and, you know, the size and of course the top performing hashtags for you. And then just select a few of those top performing hashtags. And that of course that are relevant to your content. And you just have to like hope for the best, you know, because <laughs> It's not a, I, and I, and I have to like remind my students this all the time because they're like, you see my hashtags were doing so well last week. And then this week they're tanking and what's going on? What am I doing wrong? I'm like, you're probably not doing anything wrong. Yeah. The likelihood is, is that it's just, that's the way the algorithm works. You know, <laughs> it's never going to be like a hundred percent high reach on every that's single post. Yeah. Nobody has that. It is always, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would be amazing, yeah. right? But like, but seriously, like, it is. There's always that little bit of luck that you're just like, you do all the right things, but the timing could not be right. I I try not to put too much stock in it. You know, I used to like obsess about it way too much, and now I'm like, whatever. I know I'm doing the right thing. So if my hashtags reach more people, awesome. If they don't, okay. It's just the way it is. Like you said, it's like, it depends on if people are actually active and they're online yep. and they're actually engaging with your content at that time, because metrics are so important when it comes to Instagram and making sure yep. people are actually engaging with your content at all. Yeah. Well, and that quick engagement too, like that post that I first posted, I mean, it got, it was also the timing. And I knew this because it was the start of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And, and my post was about how, I mean, it was also the caption too, because I was talking about how, like, I, it, we were so sad because we're flying over these mountains and we're like, we're not going to be able to go inside this national park because the national park had shut down like yeah. the day that we arrived. And, and so I was like this post about like, you know, how this pandemic completely like shut down the borders. And I mean, and so it was also the timing of that because mm -hmm. everybody was dealing with all these crazy travel plans that were getting, you know, completely scrapped. Yeah. And so of course, when I posted the other one months later, it's not as like, 
yeah, the you know? engagement and all that kind of stuff. The yeah, it's just not going to get the same quite engagement. So the timing really is is kind of important. And, and there has to be this element of like surprise or shock or or just like you got to hook them in. So the caption to me, it has to be high quality. And, and that's what the other thing I'll tell people is like, listen, like you could have the best hashtags in the world, but if your content is crap, uh, it's not going to matter. Nope. <laughs> you know, it has to be high quality. And I don't mean like necessarily like the most professional photos, but it has to catch people's attention. They've got to stop scrolling enough to, wow, and want to read the caption. That to me is more important than hashtags, like the content and how you hook them in with your caption. You know, that's how you engage people. And the more engagement you get, you know, whether that's comments, saves, shares, then your hashtags are going to perform better. Yes. Well, before I let you go, I just had one like last question. What's one piece of advice that you would give somebody who's just starting to become a content creator online? I would say define who you are and why you're doing it. I mean, that seems so basic. And this is why I say that because people get lost in the, the comparison. It doesn't matter what niche you're in. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. You're always looking at what your competitors are doing and you think, gosh, it's so saturated. How can I stand out? And so that keeps people from starting or keeps people from really like finding their full potential. And so my advice is like, define who you are. You have to kind of tune out the noise of what everybody else is doing. What can I help people with? Because, and I tell my, my students this all the time, you only have to be a few steps ahead of your ideal audience. You do not have to be the ultimate expert and know-how of everything because there's always going to be someone in your niche that knows more, that has more experience, that has better photos, that can write better captions or whatever, has a bigger audience. Like, I mean, the list goes on. There's always going to be those people. And so if you're always caught up in what everybody else is doing and what you lack that everybody else seems to have, then you're never going to go anywhere. So you have to just figure out like, what are your strengths and what are your experiences and your story? Because that to me, your experiences and your story and your personality is really what is going to make your brand stand out. If you're just focused on like sharing your expertise all the time, and that's all you focus on. That's great, but you're not really building that deeper connection with your audience unless there is some vulnerability there. You have to be willing to kind of shed the layers and like open up and share these other parts of your story that make up who you are and what you do. And so for me, like, you know, if you want to be successful at it, you got to figure out what do you do and how can I share this in a way that is different from what everybody else is doing because everybody has a different story. Everybody has different experiences and strengths and like a unique angle, you know? So you have to sometimes kind of dig deep to figure out what that is. But that is the key to me is, is figuring out your strengths and, and just knowing that like you only have to be a few steps ahead, you yeah, know? That's it. And, and there are people that want to know what you know and want to do what you do out there, no matter how many followers you have. And so like, just, just like focus on that and don't pay attention to the noise around you and just do that. Like focus really hard on what you know and what you can do and, and be willing to share and open up. And then of course, like I said, the other thing is like have a strong why, because if your why is like, 
well, I want to make a lot of money. I want to build a seven figure business, or I want to travel the world, or I want to, I don't know, like be featured on like some kind of big publication or like those things are good, but they're also kind of superficial. And to me, like you have to have a deeper why, because what I've seen with so many content creators is if they don't have a deeper why, if their why is just about making money, and traveling, you know, or whatever, or getting a lot of followers, then they're going to burn out. They're going to burn out and they're going to hate it at some point. Quickly too. Yeah. Yeah. They will. They will. Because again, you realize once you get into it that, oh, this is a lot of work and yeah, like (laughs) the money is good, but like, I just don't like it anymore. I mean, I've had times like that where I don't love creating content for brands. And so I have to go back to my why, you know, and my why right now is I want to help people, you know, because for me that empowers them and empowers me and it helps me feel like I'm making a difference to somebody. Everything else doesn't matter if you haven't figured that out. Amazing. That's it. That's, that's what you should do. (laughs) It seems really basic. No, it's amazing though. A lot of people struggle with that. A lot of people struggle with that. There's so many brands that like, they don't know who, what their voice is or who they are online. And it's like, you're reading it and you're like, what, what in the world is this? Yeah. It has to be clear who you are. You have to be clear about it and you have to kind of stay in your lane too, because it's so easy to be one of sharing everything and anything and want to be an expert in all these things. But it's like, No, you can't do that. You know, like when you're first starting out, you got to focus, you got to niche down. And I know people like roll their eyes every time they hear that, but there is a reason for that. (laughs) There is a very good reason why when you're starting a business, you can't do everything and anything. I have a few members in, in my program that recently joined and And a few of them are really struggling with defining their niche because they're like, I want to teach people how to be out of debt, but I also want to teach people how to travel full time. And I'm like, okay, Hmm. those are two different things, you know, (laughs) like, are you wanting to focus on the traveling part or are you wanting to focus on the financial part, you know? And so like, you can't do everything, you know, you can't be everything to everything. So that's, that's a piece that I think a lot of businesses and, and content creators miss. Um, and they, they think that if they narrow down, then that's going to like, they feel suffocated to do that. But I'm like, it's the opposite. You're going to grow your business. You're going to grow your community even faster, even bigger if you focus and if you stick to one lane. <laughs> oh, that's so important. It's so important. So important. Yeah. I mean, as your business grows and as you become you know, as you have more of a reputation, you know, then you can kind of start broadening. Right. Yeah. And you see this with lots of businesses, but when you're first starting, you know, you've got to narrow in on your focus, your expertise, your niche, your ideal audience, and you've got to just do it well, you know, and as that grows, then you can start to broaden that. But when you're first starting, it is really, really tough to build an online presence and build a business if you're trying to just do everything. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. This was amazing. You're welcome. I hope it was helpful for your community. So much. And I just, I just, I told you this before, but I just love Flick and I've, I've gotten a lot of people on board with Flick. So I, I would not use this tool if I didn't fully believe in it. Cool. Well, thank you. Thank you. 
Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Talk Social to Me with Christina McAvoy. You can find out way more about how we can help you grow your social media following with Flick by heading over to our website or, you know, subscribing to Talk Social to Me newsletter. It comes out every Tuesday and you're going to get a lot of hot gossip on there and I highly recommend it. If you want to find out more about our guest today, you can actually check the links in the show notes. And I have been your host, Mackenzie, and I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much.